welcome to Women Read Scripture. I'm Annette Tilleman-Dick. I'm MacArthur Krishna. And I'm Christine Thackeray. That was so not fair because we didn't <laughs> warn MacArthur that this Surprise! is the way we begin. It's a good thing I know my own name. She would have asked me a trick and question. She, and, she, and she knows the, I love the it. Um, prompt. So thank you so much, MacArthur. We are so delighted to have MacArthur here. MacArthur is a cherished member of my large family's spiritual family. She's truly a sister in Christ to our family, and we love her and have admired her for many years. And I'm, we are thrilled to have her here with us. Um, I do want to mention, and I don't know if you can see them on the table, some of the wonderful books that MacArthur has written that really help us appreciate more the women in the Bible. So they're very nice. appropriate for our, our broadcast, Women Read Scripture. Her newest one is about Heavenly Mother, who is the most important woman in the Bible. Yes. And Art MacArthur has a series of books on girls who chose God. Mm -hmm. One nice. is girls who chose God in the Bible. One is girls who chose God in the Book of Mormon. And one is girls who chose God in church history. Nice. And they're, these are not just wonderful little books with, about girls. They're wonderful, rich books that I think anybody will enjoy. I gave them, though she already had a number of them, but I gave all of them to my little five-year-old granddaughter, Aww. Clove, who is a very spiritual, faithful little girl for her birthday, which was just on May 1st. Oh, and um, I was grateful because I had not had a chance to study them in depth before. And, they and do you know how those books came to be? Tell us. And tell so, us a little about yourself, MacArthur. Yeah, so That's my, all um, my co-author had a three-year-old daughter who was reading through a cartoon book of scriptures and said to her mom, Mom, where are the stories about the girls? I want to learn oh, about the girls. Isn't that? Yeah. Three years old. So she says, Bethany, you told me the story. And she said, I'm in my 30s. It has never crossed my mind to have this. Oh, so nice. having even this broadcast to say women reading scriptures, women delving into this, women not... Um, not just talking about the scriptures that are not just talking about the women who are in the scriptures, but also being women delving in the scriptures, I just think is incredibly valuable. So at that point in time, there wasn't a single book on the market, either from our faith or any other faith, that was women in the scriptures dressed to children. I love and that. so that's when we started to do these books. And I just think it's um, and then Elder Ballad had this great quote about we need to develop the skills to read the women in the scriptures. And so I appreciate the work that you guys are doing to being we women reading so the scriptures okay. about all topics. Oh, MacArthur, I have to respond to that because as I as we have had this opportunity to dive deeper and deeper and deeper. And, you know, people would think I, I dive relatively deep. You know, <laughs> I went to graduate school in divinity and I, you know, we teach, of course, and we mm -hmm. read them every day, all the time, over and over with our children, with ourselves. I will say that each time it is like a extraordinary new adventure. And I'm sure I don't deep sea dive, but I understand, I think a little bit as we dive deeply into these scriptures, what a wonder it must be mm. to discover the worlds under the sea. I feel, and I understand um, President Ballard's remark, mm -hmm. that we need to work Mm. to understand the roles of the mm -hmm. women in the scriptures. Mm -hmm. We need to work to understand the scriptures themselves. Yeah. And Christine and I were talking about it. I, this, what we're reading today, 2 Corinthians, is an interesting situation that Paul is writing what we consider the second letter, though it, given his other 
comments in his letters, it's believed that there were at least four or maybe even five letters to the Corinthians. Hmm. But um, it is Second Corinthians after First Corinthians. Some have said it's a sequel, which like many sequels in Hollywood, at first you're like, <laughs> you know, it actually delivers in the mm. end, but mm. it is much less organized. It is, he jumps around, he changes mood quite dramatically in parts. It, some people believe that, that it was written in bits and pieces, mm. that he would, but ultimately after reading it all, I feel like, no, this was his letter. This was his letter. The letter probably that he had to stop in between writing it, and maybe he stopped in between the first part and the second part of Second Corinthians. But it is the right the wording can be tricky to understand. The jumping around can be tricky. Interesting, because I feel like it's so heartfelt. Oh, Second it is. Corinthians is like my joy. Like First Corinthians is all about like chunks and doctrine. Yes. Whereas 2 Corinthians it's is about healing. And, it's and about heart. It's about healing. So along those same ideas, I actually think one of the most important concepts in scripture is found in 2 Corinthians. Oh, definitely. <laughs> so, it's a winner. Right? Well, so along the ideas of heart and feelings. And so right, right. here, it actually talks about God's heart and feelings. Oh, I love that. It and does. so when we're talking about in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, mm-hmm. It talks about, it's talking about, blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all that comfort. God of all comfort, right? So first of all, that's a great title. God of all comfort. Absolutely. But then here's the concept that I think is one of the most important ones we can learn. So this is speaking of God. God who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble. And so this concept that one, God is a God of emotion, God is a God of heart, as you were just mentioning, that an, a divine attribute is empathy. Mm-hmm. So as we're talking about that we are to become more godlike in our lives, that we're to practice and stretch those muscles and slough off all the things we need to slough off, one of the key components here is that we are to become more empathetic creatures. Which, as we live in harmony with the Lord, if, as we seek his comfort, as we seek his peace in the midst of our trials, yeah. we will become more empathetic we, and, and we will be more able to comfort. So I actually had a New Year's resolution one year. Um, Virginia Pierce had written a book about a soft heart. Oh, I love heart. Jenny Pierce. I know right? that. Oh. I love that book. And Jenny Pierce is, I love Isn't she her. wonderful? I know. Yeah. So you know She's taking me under her wing, and I just oh. really appreciate the oh. wisdom. Oh, that's so fun. Her. But like, I literally made a New Year's resolution to check my heart for this oh. year. Whatever situation I'm in, check my heart. And so am I being a more godlike person? Am I being empathetic? Am I having love in my heart for someone? And that check was so useful because I'm, I'm a useful person. I, I want things to apply to things. I want to know how to yeah. change things. I want to know how to do things. Okay, but my question is, if you're not empathetic, if you're in a situation, I went to women's conference yesterday and I loved 90% of it, but 10% it was like, oh, they, oh, and and I was like, how do I develop empathy for someone that is outside the bounds of what I would choose? How do you go there? How do you stretch your heart to include them? Well, I think you're, okay, but I think we have a couple different frameworks going on here, right? Mm-hmm. So the fact that you have the expectation that you would feel good or comfortable with 100% is not 
It's kind of funny, right? Yes, but I just keep on hoping I will. <laughs> but we're really different beings. And so That's true. We could be, I just had a conversation with one of my best friends. We've been friends 32 years. She loves blue. Never in my life would I ever pick blue. Like that is like with, with all the things that we love each other for, we're never going to come to terms on that one. And so right. I don't have the expectations that I should have 100%. I have the expectations that the things that really matter, we're going to have a, enough, not even 100%, oh, but we're going to have enough overlap to say, I value being treated with respect. This is what respect looks like to me. We can be friends because we play in because this Because we zone. both value that. We okay. both value, value respect. That. I love Without that because... 100%. When I worked in the group home, like I'd be assigned to kids and some kids you knew you could change their lives and bond with and other kids you knew you weren't the person for that child. Right. But I've never them. put that with... Friendship like friendship or, or even scripture. So you think about someone told me once we have 12 apostles because they think and feel and oh, interact differently. There's some talks that you really resonate with. Yes. Not that we should listen to all talks, but there's some talks that feel have more resonance. That are yours. To you. Right. Absolutely. You own them. Right. And so I don't think we have to have the expectation that every single thing right. ever written, ever expressed, ever talked about right. is but we do have to have empathy for that 10% or whatever percent Absolutely. or 50% that um, that don't resonate with us. Absolutely. And and how do we build that I think wider? Humility. I struggle humility with it. Humility is really important. Oh, that's in this. true. You know, I, of course, I've grown. I wish my dad would be here now because he used to say, I wish I was as sure of anything as you are of everything. <laughs> I said, well, I'm not that sure of everything, but he that's how he felt. Wow. And, and you know, um, and I... I thought about that, and at that time, certainly there were certain things that my sureness about those things anchored me in life. Mm -hmm. They did. As I grew, I realized some of my idea of what that was going to look like dramatically changed. Mm. It didn't mean that I, at the core, at the fundamental level, mm -hmm. the very important things didn't remain bedrock. Mm. But some of the things that I thought I was sure were part of that, right? I let go in different ways. Yeah. Because yeah. I and some of it was because of empathy. Mm. You know, I mean, I think maybe I've told the story of when we had the um twins were conjoined at the heart mm -hmm. and that I had been a very staunch absolute anti-abortion person. Um and I, I was, I mean, I, and I grew up in a very liberal world and mm -hmm, that was, mm -hmm. I, it bothered me, but that was my, and when I had, I had these little twins and they were, it was discovered at about five and a half, maybe mm -hmm. six months that they were conjoined. I came to Utah and one of our dear friends who was a member mm -hmm. of the church we met, we were in school together. He was finishing his medical degree, um, had become the world expert on examining the, um, issues of babies in the womb, fetuses, mm -hmm. who had serious problems, especially with the heart. And our medical group sent us to him. You know, they, it was, a, it was mm -hmm. a very interesting piece of God's intervention there. And he had written the wording for the bishop's handbook on abortion. Mm -hmm. He said, I'm abs he had testified in Congress on the subject that he was very much opposed to elective abortion. Hmm. But um, he said that there are situations where there are fatal fetal abnormalities and where it's a question of whether you turn off the light or whether it's a dimmer switch. Right. And I went home and I chose after praying, and it was, that was another story, but not to have an abortion, even though there was a lot of pressure to do so. And the babies were stillborn 
in about a month after that, mm-hmm. a month, three months after that. Um, my position on abortion changed dramatically. Right. But not an elective abortion, only on abortion with these medical but, issues. But you know what I felt? You know, um, I, I would never judge other people on it anymore. Mm-hmm. Because what I felt in that moment when my husband, Elder Holland, Dr. DeVore, all told me, you'll make the right decision, which re- really bothered me. Elder Holland told me, the church knows you will make the right. right decision in that way. He, and you did make he, the right decision but, for you. Yes, but but he didn't tell me what that decision should be. Right. He said, you will, and my husband himself, when I said, can we pray about it together? He said, no, honey, you have to do this yourself. Well, I was, and I think that's one of the most powerful things about developing empathy is lack of judgment is one, right? So I catch myself, am I, oh, am I making not a judging others, also? yes. Yes, not, not judging Not judgment others. like having good judgment. No, 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 sorry, yes. I meant judgment on others. Mm-hmm. And I think along with that, it's also simply because I haven't experienced something doesn't mean that it doesn't exist or doesn't mean that it's not painful. So I have never had the experience you described. I, I don't know if you have. But like we have not, I'm assuming, not we have not experienced what you have experienced. And, and I so it'd be so hard. Right. And so to sit there and say, but that's probably true of almost anyone. I have not been that's in their right. shoes. I have not been in their life. And so we come with different life experiences that bring it to a place that then we have different choices and different actions and different decisions. And so for me to say I'm judging that decision, literally, well, we've always been told judgment is God's not right. ours. Judgment is right. Thank goodness. Lord. Right. But right. in my mind, I th- I thought one, not judging is kind of an entrance point. But the second point is to acknowledge that simply because I have an experience doesn't mean it's not real. Absolutely. And so to say someone who comes to the table and says, for instance, I was thinking about President Nelson just won this award about his efforts to root out racism, mm-hmm. right? So he won the Nelson Mandela, Gandhi, Martin Luther King Award, right? And he warned in the last conference about um, people who, um, if we prejudice against anyone, if we discriminate against anyone, and he has this list of things, right? Sexual orientation, nationality, race, you know, uh, gender, these indicators. And even choices like what you and even choices. Choices. that we need to love them and have empathy and for them. That's but so in my mind, if he's warning us against prejudice, that means it exists. Prejudice does exist because he's just mm-hmm. warned us about it. So that must right. mean it exists. He knows, yes. And if it exists, that means it's causing someone pain. And if it's causing someone pain, it's not my, my place to say, oh, that didn't happen, or that's not painful, or that's not difficult. So I've never had a miscarriage. How would I possibly say to some woman, well, that wouldn't be difficult. Right. Like pain exists because people are having these experiences. And if we want to be godlike and be empathetic, that means we need to acknowledge that there's pain that we don't understand. Yeah. There's pain. I mean, empathy is supposed to be different than sympathy, right? right. Sympathy is feeling bad for someone. Empathy is supposed to be understanding. Yeah. But that understanding may happen because you choose to have a godlike perspective versus like, I've experienced all things out right. there. I've not experienced well, the story you described. And don't you think that empathy too comes through the spirit? Absolutely. When you're with someone that has no connection to you, but the Lord does. Absolutely. And so the Lord can expand our hearts through the Spirit to the point where we can have empathy for people. Even if you've not experienced right. that. Even if we have But you can't possibly it. say your pain doesn't exist. Your pain oh, isn't Oh, and real. no one would say and, that because right? pain, and I, it is interesting because so much of Second Corinthians is about pain yeah. and is dealing with pain. 
MacArthur, you were going to talk to us a little bit about how trials can be a blessing. She was just talking about that in empathy. That was the empathy part. The trials are blessings. So the other part of this is I think a few things happen as a result of trials, right? That trials make us humble. And when we are humble, we're kinder. That's true. (laughs) And so I think, honestly, part of the reason that we have trials is because it keeps us on our knees. It keeps us understanding that we have a a need for God, that we have a need for one another, right? That there have, I'm a very independent person. Um, And I remember when I bought my first house and I called my dad because I had to light the pilot light in my like oh, scary. stove, right? Or in my, not my stove, in my heater. And my dad's like, you understand this is the first time you've called home for help. I mean, I call home and talk to oh, my friends regularly, but this is the so first time you've sweet. called home for help in a decade. And I said, well, cause I could blow myself up. Like this is, this is a big <laughs> moment. So when faced with something significant, we have a natural inclination to turn to someone who can help. Right. And so I think trials are this opportunity of the universe of our heavenly parents to say to us like, okay, you're about to hit a moment for growth. Mm-hmm. You're about to hit a moment of humility. And so having trials puts us on, if we think this whole earth life experience is about to become more godlike, to grow, that means we do have to face things that force that growth. Well, last night I had a major trial. I, it felt oh, small, you did have a trial? Small, but major to me. And, you know, what as happened? I was asking for help of everyone I could imagine to ask, I thought to myself, it reminded me, and of course, feeling terrible because it was at the end of the night, people were tired and I needed help. (laughs) And, um, and I thought C.S. Lewis in his book, The Problem of Pain, because we're talking Mm -hmm. about pain, says that, um, pain is for us a megaphone to Mm. go and turn to God often. Yeah. But pain, other people's pain is an opportunity for us to act in true, with the true love of Christ, with mm. true charity, with true kindness. Mm. And those who don't, um, and and I said to all the people, I said, this is giving you a lot of opportunity to <laughs> show love and true <laughs> kindness, you know. Yes. Um, but, but it was, I was, I was, um, after the, I had been, I'm not, should I tell the story now? Yeah, go ahead. I'll tell it now. I was not planning to go to women's conference. Mm. I urged, I urged Christine to go because she had never been. I'd been once before and it was a wonderful experience, but I felt like I had a lot of preparation I wanted to focus on. But um, yesterday morning, and I think it was maybe the night before too, it was, there were three, where the way that I get an answer, it's just a simple, is you need to go to women's conference. I said, do I need to go to all of them? It was, it, no, no, you just need to go. So in the morning, some there was a little crisis at home, and but I asked in the morning again because I was happy working. Are you and, sure, Spirit? Yeah, are you sure, Spirit? Was, the yeah, second question. Go to women's conference. Okay, then the phone rang, and it was one of my children with a problem. And I, it took a lot of effort to try to figure out how to solve his problem, um, which was eventually solved. But afterwards, I said, do I still She'll need to still go? Her, yeah. You need to go. So I got dressed, and then the um, someone in our in our home came in and said, "Oh, there's going to be a big storm." Mm-hmm. I was like, "Father, do I really have to go? <laughs> I was like, go to women's conference?" Yeah. So I got in the car and off I went. And I knew, you know, I missed every all the talks and everything. But I arrived, I parked, 
I got out. I and you need to say that there are thousands of women. Oh, thousands! It's so and huge, so big, and, and they so have small, right you know <laughs> them in every single large room. It's just mm-hmm. filled with women. And so I get on the bus from the park, and there's a another. There are just a few, maybe three. But I ask. I think you have to talk to people. Maybe that's the reason somebody you're going to meet. <laughs> that was truly. I mean, I was. Oh, really I love it because you felt so inspired that. to come. I, I was told to go. I, you know, I knew that, of course, I'll help with the service project, but we were trying to do 500,000, um, you know, food packages. And I knew that I wasn't going to do 100,000 to put us over the top, you know <laughs> what I mean? And so, um, so I asked and she told me about that. I asked which talk, talk spoke to her and she said, oh, you know, there was one about being of good cheer. Oh. And I smiled because we had, and I said, oh, I love that story. You know, when <laughs> Jesus is walking towards Peter on the boat and she says, no, that wasn't it. I said, oh, maybe you're right. And I said, I thought, I said, maybe it was another place. So let me just check. And because we reversed, I thought, hmm, where would it have been? I thought it was in the gospels. It was in, it wasn't in, it wasn't in um, Matthew or Luke. I think it was in Mark, you know? And so this, I, and there mm-hmm. it was, and I thought, wow, you know, and I read it, she said, oh, thank you so much, you know, because I really didn't remember that mm-hmm. that was the story. Mm-hmm. But to me, it was also a little confirmation of everything we've poured in, but it was a little piece. And oh, I didn't nice. think I'd come all the way for that. <laughs> I get off the bus, and there's a gentleman standing there with a, an official tag, and he sees me, and he says, um, I love your broadcasts. <laughs> I don't think anybody listens to my broadcast. Oh. You know, I'm just like, what? You know? Yeah. And we have a wonderful oh, conversation. That's so His sweet. name is Ted. We move on. We had talked about several things. Then I go into the nearest building, which is, you know, what should I do? Go in the nearest building. And who is the first person I see? Christine. It was so bizarre. Out of thousands of people. <laughs> and I thought, okay. It was like a net. And I, my phone had died, I mean, so she couldn't even text me and tell me no, she was there. It was that, and it was so amazing. Oh, it was there. amazing. I thought, my Heavenly Father didn't see me take, take me here just to see Christine because we're... Because we'll see each other today. And then another <laughs> lovely oh. young woman who I had given a party for four years ago when they left our ward in oh. inner city of Denver. And I'd never seen again, comes and stands beside me. And it's oh, wonderful so to see her. Sweet. And I thought, well, that's wonderful. We Then we spent four hours packing these things. And it was a good lesson because you know what? My back hurt. It was not <laughs> comfortable. And it was you a think good of workout. people who are, well, what I think though are people who do that every day, right. every day, nonstop to make a living for their family. Oh, they work sweet. on an assembly line. And yes, you have the joy of talking to one another, but it is... It looks simple, but it can be physically hard. Mm-hmm. It was wonderful. We loved it. We were the last people there, our little table. Oh, we're the last wow. ones packing the last bags. And then when we were about to leave, one of our new my new friends, Laura, said, can I give you a ride to my car, your car? Which I was very grateful because it was pouring, pouring yeah. rain by that time. And I thought, oh, I hope I can find it. We found it, which was a miracle. I thought, oh. Heavenly Father is with me. I go to my bag to get my keys. No keys. <laughs> my first thought is... Did I lock the keys in the car? Because my own cars are Toyotas, which you can't lock your keys in them. I get my flashlight, you know, on my phone and look, they aren't in the ignition. I thought, did they fall out when I took those two books out of my bag? I see no signs of it. Mm. Laura stays with me. We, no, no, we call, we check her car completely. We call the police. They send a wonderful officer, Officer Weiner, who comes and amazingly with incredible skill 
opens the car door like that, you know, <laughs> which I, because I've seen it take a long time. Um, we look, nothing, nothing. We go back to the place where we'd done the service project. They are still cleaning, which gives me hope. They say, they didn't see anything. They send me to lost and found nothing. Mm. Laura has the idea, maybe could they have dropped out in the bus when you were driving, when you came from the parking lot mm -hmm. to the thing. So we asked the policeman, the, well, he's gone by now, but we call me, um, the lovely Tia at the police officers, at the, their central center mm -hmm. says, I asked Officer Weiner, they don't have keys to the buses. But no, he finds the keys to the buses and goes through wow. all the buses. That is so much so work. No Laura, of course, she, who I can tell is so tired and was so eager to get home to her family before mm. she's, before this we've been mm. talking, she wasn't going to say, says, let me drive you home. And I'm like, no, you know. So I take an Uber home. And just the, leave the one, car there. <laughs> one, leave the car there. I locked it again, which was, yep. I go home, go to sleep because I was so exhausted and wake up in the morning mm -hmm. and I'm praying about getting organized for our lesson and I mean for our, our podcast and um, just like it was go to BYU it's, you'll, they'll find the keys today and I think this has you're to killing us uh, this uh, is uh, I know <laughs> again you'll find the keys today then we make a plan with the young man who's staying we're both staying in my daughter's mm -hmm. room she, she, he is watching the doggy and I am just here for these right, days right right and he said, well, how do you think you'll get the car back? I said, well, if we don't find the keys, I've already had this thing, but I said, if we don't find them, um, then I'll have to get a locksmith. And then I had a sort of plan for Right, to do it. right. Um, so we leave, nothing. You know, I come, I'm here, I'm just... Today, to, she's here today. I wanted to use it, and it's for this story, to talk about, have, because through it all, I have to say, I felt... At peace, I felt like there is, hmm. and part of that is because I've immersed myself in the scriptures mm -hmm. Hmm. that I thought this is a small, hard thing, and it's hard to understand why would the Lord tell you to go there and then lose your keys? Hmm. But there must be some purpose to hmm. it. All these wonderful people you've met was wonderful. So I have to say, one of the things I noticed through this whole story, I don't know if you noticed this, Christine, but she mentioned all these people by name. I know! She knows the name of the woman she talked to. She knows the name of the Isn't community. She knows the name of the police officer. She knows the name of the girl. She's just gathered right. them all. I know. Right? And in my head, it honestly was this moment of Christ seeing Mary and calling her by name. Oh, that's so like sweet. Like, we are known by name and, to our Heavenly, and Heavenly Father knows and each like, of us, and He knows us, and He knows right. our struggles. Know. And He knows, and He, and some of them, and this is, this ties so where back are to the keys? Our trials. <laughs> yes. These ties back to the trials. But where are the keys? And you well, know, okay, go on. Tell us the so, keys. You know, There's this kind, their old car with the fob. Right. So, yeah. so I am, I come here and I'm working and I want to tell the story because I want to say how going through it with faith that the Lord has a plan allowed me to appreciate the people, to not be so riled up with anxiety over this mm -hmm. that I couldn't go through it feeling his presence through each mm -hmm. of these angelic people who went the many extra miles to help me and then to be able to still feel calm enough that we could come and do this mm -hmm. and just I had this thing that I'm there I've been I was waiting outside because I didn't know the building was open I'm reading and planning and a, a text comes up and I thought don't get distracted by the text but I look at it and it says do the keys have a tile 
and a sort of dangly thing on it. I'm like, yeah, oh. yes, they do. Yes, yes, yes. It's a text from a number that I don't recognize. So I, I you know, after saying, Yes, yes, yes. Thank you so much. We text. Who are you? That's Where right. Are you? Who are you? It was not Laura who was going to go and check for me. Mm -hmm. It was not Tia. It was not Officer Weiner. It was Ted, the man who, who said, I love me. your podcast. <laughs> I, when I got home before I went to bed, you know, I wanted to sort of let, I couldn't do it, but let him, I, he had sent me a text that I got it and I will give a meaningful answer one day, but not oh, right now because nice. it, and I said, you know, funny thing yesterday, I, my keys vaporized, you know, we have no idea. Oh, and and the first thing when he came or maybe he found them. That's amazing. Isn't that? that is so, so amazing. that's the end of this story of, mm. of letting. And I wish I could say, I always <laughs> no, 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 you just talked to me. I have, oh. unfortunately, have so many witnesses because I have so many children, oh. you know. And so the truth is, I think I have become much more calm over the years. I think facing, and this is the trials and what trials do for you. I feel for me personally, I can testify to it because the Lord probably knows I need a lot of refining. He has dragged me, so not dragged cute. me, he has helped me. <laughs> he has allowed me to go through many deep trials. Mm -hmm. You know, losing a baby, losing mm -hmm. your husband, losing, I don't want to say losing, oh my gosh, every time I say losing, my late husband, whose spirit is very much with me, mm -hmm. says, I'm not lost. I'm not lost. <laughs> and Paul tells us that too. In his I know. Verses, I love it. In these well, chapters. I love in 1 Corinthians, um, right in uh, verse 6, when it says, whether we be afflicted, it is for your consolation and your salvation. Yes. And so it's through these difficulties yes. and these challenges that we find our connection to the Lord that he's watching over us. Yeah. That and trust. And we feel that we're loved and we feel mm -hmm. saved by him. Were, were you the one in one of our, in our podcast last week um, that said, Christine, that trust is the word lots of people use for faith? Or was that maybe Shima who said that? I think Shima that was Shima, it. but I do love that trust and but, faith. They're so but, connected. And and that through these deepening trials, mm. when we in humility must only throw ourselves upon mm. the Lord mm. and ask for help, yeah. we are given the opportunity to have experiences that we can trust him. And what this little experience taught me in a way that I, I think I teed it up to learn it this time because I really <laughs> tried to embody everything we were by mm. not getting upset and not being, right. you know, what it taught me is that what it was the um, title of one of President Kimball's books, Faith Precedes the Miracle, mm. you know, that, and what we need to sustain the faith. Sometimes we need to sustain it. One of our guests had said, you know, to, for many, many, many years, she had one deep desire and it never happened. And after her father died, something happened. I, I can't quite remember the story, but sometimes we have to sustain it for keys mm. yep. overnight and into the and, morning. Yeah. And, and sometimes it's years Except the Lord's time and, in and, our and lives. And if we can, during that time of longing and hoping for resolution and for a sense of, of reconciliation with our mm -hmm. hopes and the Lord's yeah. plans for us, we can maintain that trust 
it can allow that time to be more blessed than it would. Well, and I think we have to remember, we have to remember what the point is. That's exactly right. Right? If you can keep the point front and center, we have heavenly parents who love us. We have a brother who came to atone for us. What is the point of this earth life is to take advantage of that atonement to return to live with them. That's right. And that's going to take growth. And so if we can if we can keep the correct framework in our minds that we are here to grow and that growth is often uncomfortable or demanding or awkward. I mean, I'm just thinking of some of my early days and like <laughs> awkward growth <laughs> moments, right? And like we've all had those. And so in my mind, like that's the point of this entire earth life. And so if we're to become more like our heavenly parents, you know, we're to become more like God, we're becoming to learn from our brother, that all of this, I, I love the scripture where it says all things work for your good. Right. Absolutely. And so And they work for our good as long as we turn to the Lord. Well as long as we can have them right. Because we can have things work to our bad. Absolutely. I mean you talk use the Lord. I know. Well second Corinthians two verses five through eleven. I could talk forever on forgiveness, but (laughs) since I talked already forever, I will now make this short because in this particular situation, Paul is writing to the Corinthians, telling there was someone that he was concerned about their mm-hmm. behavior. And he said that that person needed to be reprimanded sharply. Mm-hmm. But when he, it was reported back to him that they were very upset with him, he wrote and said, you must now forgive him and welcome mm-hmm. him with full love. Because we, we, I only said it to see also that you are, faithful and obedient to me, Mm -hmm. but I have already forgiven him. Mm -hmm. And you need to forgive him for, in this case, I believe forgiveness is for us more than anybody. When, Mm -hmm. as we forgive others, we not only feel this clearing of our soul. Soft heart check. Do I have a soft heart? That's right. That's my big soft soft heart check. Okay. But I also love in chapter two, verse seven, where it says he ought rather to forgive him and comfort him. Yes. So it's not enough so to just forgive. No, no, no. You have to reach out and comfort. And be his which friend. Which is kind of what you and said with empathy. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. You know, that is a... Vi- I, forgiveness means embracing. It doesn't mean simply... Which is tricky, right? So let's, mm-hmm. let's, let's have a tricky moment here. Yeah. I just heard a story this morning about a friend of mine who was in an abusive marriage always hard. So again, this is not something I have experienced. And so I don't have um, personal situation to pull onto. But it was clear her pain was real. And so when you sit there and you think about this and you think forgiveness means embrace, well, forgiveness means I do have to say, I love what Christ said about love your enemies, bless them that hate you, do good to them, the despitefully use you, but pray, no, pray for them who despite the despitefully use, use you. Yep, yep. So you do pray. not need to comfort well, the so one who despitefully uses you in an wanna, abusive relationship. That's what I want to draw some lines right. here. Right. And so I, this is for this specific important. person sure. who had some issues with doctrine. Sure. And rather than abuse or manipulation or... Even if you think or, about... If, I mean, I think there's a broader application right. than just doctrine, right? Like if you think about... I mean... 
maybe all of your 12 children were perfect. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right? All of them. I'm looking right at the camera. You know who you are, people. But I love you all. You are uh, all perfect. Exactly, right? All perfect to me. So I'm so say, glad you're saying that because right? I never would have got mine. <laughs> so hypothetically speaking, if your child misbehaves, oh, right? Never, hypothetically. Exactly. And I think it's one of these moments where, because I think there's a broader application than just this one particular story right, about doctrine, absolutely. right? But if you're saying, I want to be in an ongoing relationship with this person to forgive and to comfort, right? Because I think children children can hurt their parents' feelings. Parents can hurt their children's right. feelings. Intentionally. Intentionally. <laughs> we right? can go there. <laughs> Not the perfect children, but everybody else. Right? <laughs> but like, I think having this, this sensibility that forgiveness is a soft heart for us and then a coming back together. Like this feeling that comfort is like to being united again. And again, that is not in a situation where in abuse and these other situations I'm talking about. But if we're talking about if you're not one, you are not mine. Well, right. Then this kind of forgiveness and oneness has to pull us together. I want to say something because again, something that came up to me on the internet was a piece recently done um, by John Hilton, who um, does things on scriptures plus mm-hmm. and it was on the passages in um, in the Gospels on marriage and mm-hmm. on divorce, he unpacked that beautifully and explained what we we discussed. Forgiveness does not mean you thing. stay married to someone no, who's abusive. That's right. Let's be clear. And and that's and and it's very important to understand that the world that Jesus was addressing was a world where men had complete control mm. and no, women. Did not have the, they could not divorce their husband. That was how they had their, they had no place to be. Right. They had no property. They had no resources. They did not in that world. No. Um, they could not yeah. divorce. It was the men and the men could do it very There's casually. There's still places in the world that <laughs> still function that <laughs> yes. way. Um, which, yes. And so, John, I do think it is worth, it, it was one of the best unpacking hmm. of that set of scriptures and putting them in the light of our latter day experience mm. that I've ever heard. And so I I recommend it. Yeah. Just to say that loving and embracing may not be from a from close up, <laughs> but but I do believe that even in a situation where there was abuse, and when you have to separate yourself from somebody, even if that person would be your spouse, mm. which is really hard, mm-hmm. but you must separate mm-hmm. yourself, that in that separation, you find the place to try to understand them, mm-hmm. right? And what l- gave them the emptiness to have to strike right. out mm-hmm. like that, right. so that you can, in some ways, and in many ways, right. love what is to be loved there, mm-hmm. and pray for them authentically, mm-hmm. and right. for their growth and their j- ultimate ability to while still keeping yourself safe. Happy. That's s- right, Which safe in every way. Well, it's- I'm so glad we're talking about this because. Now I'm going to go on to the reconciliation, and we're yeah. not talking about bad marriages. We're going to talk about marriages that are healthy but human. Mm. So all of them. <laughs> Maybe not all healthy, but all human. Right? I don't know. I went to a, um, a marriage uh, class at, at women's conference, and this sweet couple were like so perfect. I thought, oh, I don't know if anyone's learning because everything you do is perfect. My marriage is <laughs> But um, in... Uh, it, Paul talks about, in uh, verse 20 of chapter 5 of 2 Corinthians, he, um, and I, oh, no, sorry, I lied. 
We're going to start in 17 and then go 18. But in 17, he talks about if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Mm -hmm. And old things are passed away and all things become new. And I always struggle with that because, you know, that feeling of new creature, like when you were baptized or when you first really understood what the gospel was and you were like determined to live it. Mm -hmm. And that's been like 40 years for me. (laughs) So to keep it new is very challenging. Mm -hmm. But then he goes on to tell us how to keep it new. Mm -hmm. And it has to do with this reconciliation because he says, all things are of God. And this is verse 18 of five. And who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Hmm. So now just like Christ was reconciled to God, we have this ministry of reconciliation. Hmm. And I was talking to my son, I said, this is the oddest phrase for me. And he's like, no, it isn't, mom. You do it every day with your husband, with my dad. And I'm like, what? And he's like, well, you know how sometimes you'll be like, can you do this for me and run out of the room? And he'll be like, I'm busy. Or, you know, he'll say, can you go pick something up for me? And I'll go out and play with the grandchildren. And then the place will have closed before I get there. And then he comes home and he's just like, oh. And so you get these little pieces between you. And then at the end of the night or whenever you do it, you talk about it and you say, I'm so sorry. I was so busy. And he says, yes, I'm so sorry. And you reconcile. So when you go to sleep, you're one and there's nothing between you. And I'm like, I understand that reconciliation because I have to do it all the time in my life. But to think that we do the same thing with Christ and with our Father. Well, when we think about that, if God is a God of relationships, right, that we we know that our heavenly parents right, and God are a heavenly family. And so that means that the, the ideal form of divinity is in relationship. Mm-hmm. It absolutely right? is. Which a healthy relationship. A healthy right? relationship, absolutely. So in my mind, I thought about that, and I thought, how do we, in fact, Bethany and I wrote another book, um, In the Image of Our Heavenly Parents, A Couple's Guide to a More Divine I Marriage. I love it, and that's exactly this reconciliation. Exactly. So you're learning it from the Lord. I'm learning it from my marriage and bringing it to the Lord. <laughs> but I think if we look at the model of saying that this is what divinity has taught us, that we are to be reconciled wow. one with another, yes. and what does that look like? in our marriages? What does it look like with our children? What does it look like with with customer service representative, right? That is so good. What does it look like is so important because I think that we, you know, when you, Christine, were seeing this wonderful couple talk about their marriage, I'm sure it looks (laughs) different. Oh, I know. But what it looks like is that there there are times when there is... right. But I can still believe that there are some couples that that is not their challenge, the same challenge we have. No way. Right. Well, I did want to um, say, so Elder Nelson had this quote, and it's one that's haunted me. You know, every once in a while you get a quote and you're like, I just don't like that. It may be true, but I don't like it. Where nothing is more liberating, more ennobling, or more crucial to our individual progression than a regular daily focus on repentance. Mm. To me, that felt like, a regular daily multivitamin. Okay, like so it's so just, interesting because I heard that quote and loved it. See, yeah. that's the difference. See, but when I think things. of it as reconciliation, at the end of the day, like discussing, like I couldn't get this done, Lord, because I decided to do this instead. And then he says, that's great. And then you actually think reconcile. Like, and that is the repentance. Like, well, to me, so this means hope. I know, this means but like I'm imperfect. I'm just again, used to repentance being and I naughty, so you chance. just feel bad. No, you feel hope. You feel hope. You feel I hope, never feel right? hope for it's that, but reconciliation. That, I can. Well, can you read the quote from President Nelson again? Because I loved it, and I want to 
It is beautiful. Nothing is more liberating. So you are right. It is supposed to be what liberating. Does, let's stop for a minute. What does daily repentance liberate us from? I'm going to ask you, MacArthur. So for me, this is why I love this one, because to I me, know. it feels so together. full of hope. <laughs> and is. so, I mean, part of the heavy yoke that I function under is my own humanness. All of us. <laughs> And and so, we agree, oh, we agree. Right? Like, <laughs> yeah. Couldn't I be more patient yet again? Couldn't oh, I, I be more organized? Right, like all the things. All, all the things, things that Heavenly Father is. And every person right. can make their list, right? That's right. And so for me, this liberation is, it's not liberation that I'm immediately perfect, right? It's not liberation that there's an instantaneous solution. It's liberation that I don't have to feel bad that I'm required to try right. again. That's like right. I can just slough off all feelings of like, because you've heard before, like right. there's guilt that's productive and there's and guilt, then there's that guilt that's not. You, right? And that's where guilt is only productive if it, bring, if it brings you back to Christ. Exactly. So if you're already if you're at the foot of Christ again. working, then the guilt is right. let go. So to me, it's liberation. So it laboring from guilt but we, that we carry around. That's, it liberates us, but we repent. You know, yeah. we, we cannot progress. But I think that reconciliation word is happier for me. It's the uh, same process. Same it is. But for repentance, especially if you were a wacky teenager, sometimes repentance was a huge, long, heavy process. Mm -hmm. So when you carry that to a lighter, whereas reconciliation... I want to hear those wacky like, teenager stories. Oh, no, you don't. Uh -huh. <laughs> but you know, but Christine, the thing is that um, you're right, I think, but repent really means to turn. Right. Oh, I absolutely and, know and that. And I think right. that... Um, you know that beautiful um, Shaker song. Um, no, that turn, that turn, turn. No, that's not that's oh not Shaker. That's that's the bird, right? a gift to be simple to secure. To gift to be free. Simple the gift, gift yes. to come down where we ought to be. Um, yeah. And when we are in the place that's right, yeah. um, we'll be in the garden of love and delight. To turn, turn will be our delight. I know. To turn, turn will which be our is light. repentance. And then there's turn, turn, yeah. turn. Right. The, but the see, I was thinking the term reconciliation mm. is i want to say repentance light yeah and i can <laughs> I understand it. it with that terminology the it ministry of it feels more like how more comfortable i do it beautiful thing but to it teach our is children, the same right? it's equivalent mm -hmm. and so i want to go back and teach our children <laughs> and lift because i think one of the things about mm. our culture is guilt as a mother mm. is such a tool, a hammer that too often we've hit our children with. Well, and to go Maybe back not and you, but to our children. No, no, oh. <laughs> to go back to our children and say repentance is delight. Right. Repentance is hope. And it repentance is, reconciliation. is coming it's reconciliation to your unification savior, right? to So Lord. to me that if someone if we hold up repentance as this draw then more right. people want to repent. That's Absolutely. right. Read the rest of it so we and have the joyful. liberation. I so just... liberating, ennobling, and crucial. Ennobling. So, and so you just, just feel lighter feel and lifted. lifted. Yeah. We feel a little closer to yeah. the Lord when we recognize, right. oh, I really went off there. And we yeah. are noble and great souls. Right, yeah, we don't always act children. like it, <laughs> but we are noble and we great. Are their right. So when we have a moment where we can slough off one more thing and say, "Yet again, I right. want to say I'm sorry for this. Yet again, I'm going to try better." Like that, that actually is like a buffer shining up, right? Mm -hmm. And that shine is who we truly are. Yeah. And so for me, it's this. That's it's a beautiful. Nice. Idea. It is a beautiful idea. You know? But when I first heard it, like I said, I was thinking of it not as this for me. Reconciliation lifted. 
repentance to a place that was pretty and, and and gorgeous and happy. Yeah. And so I could understand it better. But I did want to end with um, the other thing he talked about, reconciliation. And this was, I've got to put on my glasses, sorry. This is the part that I loved. He said, now we are ambassadors for Christ, Mm. as though God did beseech you, and you pray in Christ's stead, but be reconciled unto God. And so as we do this reconciliation, then we become yes. better ambassadors to oh, Christ. No, and I okay. loved what Uchtdorf said about the five ways that we should share the gospel mm-hmm. because it had everything to do with reconciliation. The first three aren't about sharing the gospel. They're about us growing closer to God. Have you yeah, heard these yeah. ones? Read them to us. Are Ooh, they so good? Sure so the first one is draw nearer to God. Mm-hmm. The second one, and we talked about this, is fill your heart with love. And I love that we began with empathy because empathy is a piece of love. It's reaching beyond to where people are in the corners. And I love that. And then the next one is to strive to walk the path of discipleship, which is like you going to women's conference when you didn't want to. (laughs) It's it's when you feel those inspirations following through, even if they're inconvenient. That is the path of discipleship. What's so interesting is, of course, it is such a process to learn. I have, over these many years of having gained this understanding, have the gift of the Holy Ghost, have been learning constantly more and more what it is to ask for the Spirit's input before I act, (laughs) which is a big one for me because I like to act, you know, and Mm -hmm. to stop and to ask. And then... When I get it, not to slough it off. That's the key. And, um, and in this situation, I felt, I mean, I feel so, I was so thrilled to be able to walk. It's in so beautiful. Feeling that the Lord gave me the whole story mm. because I did feel as I went through it because I did feel it was a testing ground. Paul says in many places here with the Corinthians that he was testing them right. for mm. obedience. He was right. Absolutely. testing to see if they would clean. Can we use a different word instead of test? Yes, well, he find says enough, prove. Prove. He says, know, or giving them an again. opportunity. Right. An right. opportunity. <laughs> I agree. So, so the word, the Very way you feel him. about the word repentance, oh, the way how <laughs> I feel about the word test. Yeah. Oh, well, I hate because tests. Because tests are okay. what you're handed in I school. I flunked out of yeah. BYU three yeah. times. I hate tests. you. And give you a marking, and it's a pass or fail. I mean, like all uh, these things, right? I know. So in I my know. mind, if we think of no. this earth life as school, I know this is a place to no. learn. Then it becomes this is a that, garden to plant start. and grow. Like this is our heavenly parents planted us here to grow. Very And we're cute. getting nourished in all the ways, including pruning. Which you know. I know. But in my mind, the word that test lives. is always just this. I like, love that you because don't. you can flunk it. So good. <laughs> That's so True. good. Right? Instead Christine, of like, okay, to so well, we're at three and talking about walking the path of discipleship. And I love what you said because the other day I was feeling like I need to reach out more in my community. And I knew exactly what the Lord wanted me to do, but I was sloughing it off. And as I was driving down, wouldn't you know, on the radio it said, call the library because we need volunteers. And that's exactly what the Lord had told me like a week ago. And I'm like, oh, I need a radio you know, and we're going to talk about the mouth of two or three witnesses I, coming up. Yeah, that, I, think you got I love yours. that. I, Isn't that I, so I, I bad? It. Christine, it is the way that the Lord I works. I know we it is. We need to be listening to catch it. I and know. Even, you know. Even though we may not hearken the first then time. Then he'll tell us we, again. If we <laughs> haven't decided not to listen, 
He'll give us another he will. opportunity. He does. He I, doesn't I did, let go you know, of the ask one. over and over. I really didn't want to go yesterday. Oh, but I'm so. And, oh, that's and, true. And, and it's not like Joseph, where he asked again and again when he was told no. It's that oh, you're getting a whisper, confirming. and sometimes yeah. the Lord needs to confirm and, it, and, and that's there, okay. There, and one of the things that helped me was it. I, and I, I think we've mentioned it before with it. Sister Cardin, who said, oftentimes if it's inconvenient, you think the Spirit is I know, whispering something. Then you know it's the Spirit. It's probably the Spirit. Yourself. You know, that's and, <laughs> and my this husband has actually so said, like, if you get told something you don't want to do, you know it's the you Spirit. Know it's the spirit <laughs> because you would, go, you would make a different choice. Right? Exactly. Well, we were just going to do the last two of those yes. five. So we're walking in the path of discipleship, doing things we don't want to do because the Lord's told us, and then we share what's in our heart. Mm -hmm. And because our heart is filled with love, because we've drawn close to the Lord, we're going to have experiences like your keys okay, that's a that are huge, wonderful but that's to share. Huge, right? So think about this for a moment. If you have in your heart bitterness or nastiness oh, or judgment, right? If you're, or you haven't reconciled with your husband, you, you are going to tell everybody. Right? Like you have all of that in your heart, which means you cannot oh, actually share your goodness. heart authentically and efficaciously without oh. actually having worked on purifying your own heart. I love that. And it makes me think of Bednar's heed not. Mm. Because he said, don't even listen to negative things. Don't mm. let them in. Mm. And we need to be better at, at keeping those things at, a, at bay. You know what? Our, we have a phrase in our family that actually comes from Elizabeth Gilbert, the um, author. Oh. And it says, I do not let pirates in my harbor. Oh, I love it. And there's times where like my husband and I will turn on a movie and I'm like, nope, that's a pirate. And I'm not letting, letting him in my harbor. harbor. I'm not letting Or if him. there's a negative thought that comes in or if there's unproductive guilt or if there is wow. a judgment on me I, that I know is not actually me. Like you just, you literally just put up a little gate, like a <laughs> mental image in my mind of like no pirates in my heart. That is so cute. And I think some pirates even just like kidnap you, things that steal your time or that you know you know, you may be yeah. susceptible. You're just like, I just don't do that. When you find a new book Pirate. series <laughs> that you really love, that you know would just take weeks and weeks, it's like, okay, I'll buy it. I'm putting it in the other room under lock and key. <laughs> and then maybe when I, I have that vacation. This is your worst temptation. Right? <laughs> I, it is a bad temptation because I'm an, an addict when it comes to reading. But I do think for each of us, we have different challenges. And sometimes sure. it's that sidetracking. Sure, sure. So sure. I love that. that I no pirates in my harbor. Yeah. You know, I think for some of us, and I think maybe, you know, I am less able to do lots of other things and and do the things that I know that I'm, I need right. to do. Yeah. And so there are many things that are very appealing to me, but I just can't. One of them was sort of delving into the internet. I just, during my, the years I was bringing up my children, just being, doing what I needed to do took everything mm -hmm. I had and mm -hmm. I didn't feel I could word process was when I needed to I could do those things but I think that being conscious being conscious of what we're allowing well this is the armor of God right this is right. what it talks about in a later verse when we're talking about it. gifts of the spirit does, and, and talks all the about armor the he says armor and we God. do we have all this protection we have you know faith is our protection and we have the helmet is our protection and we have everything but it's interesting because the only weapon is the spirit and so I think we do need to spend more time protecting ourselves. And then when the spirit says, is when but we isn't use that, that weapon. But isn't that interesting because that weapon is not a sword. That weapon is not judgment on someone else. That weapon right. is not. Well, it is considered you know, a sword. And sometimes words can really cut. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. But it's interesting to me that if you're being spirit led. I know. Then you're going to be careful. Then I don't think. That's right. 
it's, no. it's going to be a different kind of weapon, right? I it's, know. It's a different. It's, a different it's effective, but it's it's well, fine. but it's right. not. You know, I mean, the more the older I Loving. get, the more maybe I it's a baton instead that, of that, a, that is me, sharpened. No, I think that's me not taking the time to. If God to, is love, uh, right, and the Spirit is the emissary of God, right, that means we have to be functioning with love. So and well, let me just finish the last one of the five. That. So after we've shared what's in our heart, the last thing is to trust the Lord to work His miracle and let mm. the Lord take charge. Yeah, because you've done your part. Yeah. Well, that was sharing. that was the key story for me. That you know, I mean, it was Absolutely. to have that trust that that I I managed to. You know, just believe that there was a reason you wanted me to do this, that I no. tried to take advantage of the opportunities to meet each person who came my way. And and I love that because it means that you were listening to the Lord, but you weren't doing it begrudgingly. You weren't dry. I mean, maybe a little no, foot dragging no, in the beginning. But, but, you know, but you yeah, showed up. But then when you showed up, beautiful. you were interacting with all of different children of God looking to fulfill it. That's so to me, trying. it's a matter right. of showing up. So it's not just right. you, you physically win, but you said, I know I'm supposed to be here. I'm going to show up for every single possible interaction with one of these children of God. It's Let so me be good. an instrument in your hands. MacArthur, there's something so profound about this idea of showing up. And I think that sometimes we have, to, like, I needed message, go, 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 you know, because I could have not gone. Nobody would have, I thought, been the, any the less mm -hmm. without my having gone. But I was reflecting recently. I think I mentioned I, I had the opportunity to visit with the cooks, Elder Cook and his brother, Joe Cook, and um, sister Cook, Nancy, Joe's wife, not Mary elder cook's wife but um recently i was and i was thinking how kind of them to make the time to mm. meet me then i thought back even before i was a member of the church because um elder cook's brother joe was the bishop of the wards that my mother was in but i was not a member and um he was later on stake president and later on and but sometimes i'd be at these activities and then afterwards i joined church and no matter what the activity was, he was a doctor in law. He was always there. Mm. And I thought about that and about that showing up. And there are, I am not the best at showing up at everything like that. I have to, sometimes I feel like I have enough to show up just to deal with my own little brood and being in the hospitals for, mm. and all that stuff. But I think that showing up to the things where people would like us to be. Well, showed up to where God has called you. God yes. called you mm -hmm. to show up. Where we that called to show right? That's right. So are we on the Lord's errand? Are we showing up where we are being called to show up? And I, frankly, that's different places for different people. Absolutely. I really feel that the books that we've been working on with all of my co-authors have been called of God. That God mm -hmm. was asking me to show up to use my talents in this way. That's. But someone else can show up and use their talent in a completely different way. Completely. Right? And I do think when we're talking about the showing up, that scripture that I walk by faith faith mm. and not by sight. The key is that we're walking, <laughs> that we're actually moving forward and doing things. Yes. Sometimes you can even sit and wait and you can think, oh, I hunker down right. in a fetal position right. of faith. <laughs> that, but we have to just keep <laughs> no, on walking. And we as we walk by faith, the Lord puts I am, I am, those opportunities in our way. You know, Paul talks about his own challenges in these books, you know, about, and, and I, um, I realize it's a little bit the lighting here that it's a little hard for me to read sometimes. But he he says, you know, that in the midst of his trials and tribulations, 
you know, he's, he's, you know, we are, we are, un, what did he say? We are fearful, but not um, overcome, overcome. We are, right. you know, and I think that that is what it means to move forward to mm. is that right. we are fearful, but we move forward in faith. Right. And, and um, even though it's hard. It is hard. I, I just love the, I mean, I'm so grateful for these, ever more grateful for these scriptures. And I just always encourage our people who watch us to read them yourself. And one thing I did want to mention, I, they say that, you know, 1 Corinthians was this wonderful treatise and it's very clear and beautiful. 2 Corinthians is more choppy and there is a lot of dense verbiage, it feels, in it. I think that it can be helpful to find another translation, whether I in, have been enjoying very much this Jewish um, New Testament, and that's probably because it speaks to me, but there are um, others, the Revised Standard Version, others that are specifically used by leaders in our church too to help us better understand the scriptures. And I really encourage you as you read these chapters, if they if they are feel obscure, get a translation that simplifies it. You will then mm -hmm. go back and see the incomparable poetry and beauty of the of the King James version. And I think with all things, if you're asking to be enlightened, you know, you turn to heaven. That's right. the source for all Absolutely. truth, right? And it, so if something right. feels obscure to you or I'm not understanding, because here's the thing, as I understand Paul wrote this for the Corinthians, we also know it's written to edify us, but also 100% of the things that were for the Corinthians are not 100% of things for me. Absolutely. There's definitely things in here that are not for my life. Well, and right? you know what else I found is that you can do a search like in church, uh, gospel library under general conference or under manuals and you can put in a phrase yeah. of a reference you don't understand and yeah. every single general conference talk for the last how many years comes up with explanation of that or and it's get so on, you get on your knees and to you listen say, to the apostles and oh help that me. happens That's too the best. help that me is the best right and which, he may lead you to the jewish is, new testament totally, or something i else. had no idea where i it came right to. thank you so much for being with us today at women read scripture we have covered wonderful topics that have been through these first seven chapters of Second Corinthians. There is a beautiful section on godly sorrow, and I invite you to look for it and to enjoy it yourself. I think it is in, um, I want to, in chapter seven, that's right, of Second Corinthians. It is something that can apply and in, in, into our lives and help us grow and prosper in new ways. Thank you again. Thank, Thank you. you.